the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is made possible through the sponsorship of the Word of Life Bible Fellowship and through the generous giving of faithful donors like you. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at awordforlife.com. Welcome to A Word for Life. A Word for Life is the radio ministry of the Word of Life Bible Fellowship, located in Tacoma, Washington. And now, here's Pastor Michael Fields with A Word for Life. informing her son of something she's reminding him of something Uh, she is not informing him of something that he did not already know like he did not know and had no knowledge of what had happened to his father Nebuchadnezzar prior to this we talked about that a couple weeks ago what happened to Nebuchadnezzar it's not like she's informing him about what happened to his father like you don't know what your daddy went through and you don't know what happened to your daddy and you don't know what he experienced she's not informing him of anything she is reminding him of what happened to his to his father and she is reminding him of something that in a, a, reminding him about it and in a subtle way encouraging him Not to follow in the same pattern that his dad did, but to learn the lessons that he should have learned by watching what his father went through. And we talked about this last week, dear ones. There are some lessons you should learn either because you've been down this road before or you have first-hand experience of watching how this thing worked in other people's lives and you know where this thing ends. You know how this thing turns out. You should have learned some lessons from that. And so in a subtle way, she is encouraging her son to not be hard-headed, but learn the lessons. Pay attention and don't go in the same direction that your father did. Dear ones, sometimes it is one of the great blessings that the Lord gives to us when he gives to us, as I said last week, friends and loved ones, family members and spouses that will love us enough to come and remind us of some lessons that we should have learned either because of what we have gone through personally or because of what we have seen others go through firsthand. And so it is a blessing when somebody comes to remind you of some things. When the, when the Lord blesses you and sends either a family member or a loved one or a spouse and says, you know what, you remember what happened last time. You remember what happened when so-and-so did this. You remember what happened to so-and-so when they went down the same road. You, you remember, don't you? And they, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, you might want to think about that. 
before you start making these same decisions. But dear ones, I want to move on in our text. Because notice, if we, if we accept the fact, if we accept the possibility, let me say it that way, if we accept the possibility that what Belshazzar's mother is doing here is not necessarily informing her son of something that he didn't already know, but she is instead reminding him of something that he already had full knowledge of and is encouraging him not to go down those same roads but learn the lessons that he needs to learn, then we have to ask ourselves another question. And that other question is this. Why is she having to do this? Why is Belshazzar's mother having to do this? Now the reason I ask that question, dear ones, is because it would be extremely hard to not notice and not remember the dramatic change in character, in behavior, in attitude, in deportment, in speech, and in temperament that took place in the life of Nebuchadnezzar in all that he went through. It would be extremely hard not to take note of the dramatic change in his character, in his deportment, how he conducted himself, in his behavior, in his speech. It, to not pay attention, to not notice that, that is extremely hard to imagine. Lord have mercy. That would be extremely hard to not take note of somebody who in Daniel the third chapter that we had already talked about. In Daniel the third chapter, you have Nebuchadnezzar building 90 feet high emblematic, emblematic monuments to himself. He's building 90 feet high monuments to himself and requiring everybody in Babylon and in the, in the provinces thereof to bow in worship every time his song is played. 90 feet high. And every time you hear the song, Nebuchadnezzar's song, I need you to bow in worship. Stop what you're doing and bow in worship. This is that Nebuchadnezzar. But then you get to Daniel the fourth chapter and we see how the Lord began to deal with him. And now you see a man who at one point in time is worshiping himself to now becoming a man who has a complete and total break with reality. He has a complete and total break with reality, dear ones, to the point that the Bible declares to us that he ended up living basically as a wild animal. His fingernails grew to become like claws his the hair on his body grew so thick that it was like feathers on a bird and he lived out in the in, in, in and he would eat grass they would feed him with grass he didn't want food they gave him grass to eat and he lived like that for seven years a complete and total break with reality but then you get to Daniel the end of the chapter in the fourth chapter when the Lord finally restores him and now you have a man who is basically he has gone from being a person out of his mind to being somebody in his full mind he, you have a person who has gone from being somebody who is completely out of control to becoming somebody who is com in complete control and at this point in time, you have somebody who is blessing and extolling not himself, but the God of heaven. 
you have somebody who is now willing to acknowledge that all of the Lord's works are true and that all of his ways are just. And you now have somebody who openly confesses that all who walk in pride, including himself, God is able to humble them. To not notice this kind of dramatic swing in a person's behavior and character and deportment, dear ones, I would like to submit to you that that is not possible. That is not possible to be just to be that blind and not see that dramatic of a change in a person's behavior in in, in one individual in a short period of time. You see this dramatic swing. Lord have mercy. But I would like to submit to you another possible reason for why Belshazzar's mother is having to remind her son about what happened to, her, to his dad and the lessons that he should have learned. I'd like to submit to you one other possible reason, dear ones. And that reason, dear ones, is this. Belshazzar was able to see both sides of his father's life. I want you to hear me now. Belshazzar was able to see both sides of his father's life. He was able to see his father when he walked in pride and he boasted about how big he was. He he was able to see his father building these 90-foot monuments to himself. He was able to see that. But he was also able to see how the Lord dealt with his father. And he was able to see how his father began to conduct his life after the Lord had dealt with him in a humble way and in a God-honoring way. He was no longer this proud and boastful man. He was now an individual who lived his life in a humble way, honoring the Lord and giving God praise and thanks for everything that he was able to do. And to Belshazzar, hear me now, to Belshazzar, the pre-humbled life of his dad was more attractive to him. That was more attractive. Not the humbled life. Not the life of walking around giving God thanks and praise for everything that he does. No, no, no. That, w- that didn't attract him. What attracted Belshazzar was walking around in pride. Boasting about how big you are. Boasting about what you can do and all these other things. This is why he went and got the vessels from the temple and brought them so they could drink their wine. Boasting about how big he is, how tough he is. That was more impressive to Belshazzar. The life of a humble, indivi- a humble individual, the life of a contrite individual, the life of a person that recognized that everything that they had came from God and God was the source of their everything, that was not attractive to him. And so, dear ones, the practical point of application that I would like for all of us to see from what we see here, dear ones, is this. The beauty of humility is only attractive to those who have a desire and an interest in seeing that beauty. The beauty of humility is only attractive to those individuals who have a desire and an interest in seeing its beauty. For Belshazzar, the life that his father lived of being someone who, who acknowledged the Lord's sovereignty and supremacy over everything and over everyone and who openly began to give the Lord credit and praise for everything that he had and everything that he was able to do and who took no credit or, pri- or praise for himself for anything that he was able to do but he gave all of it to God. Dear ones, for Belshazzar, that life did not appeal to him. But the life that his father lived 
prior to the Lord humbling him, of being someone who, who was arrogant and a braggart and proud and, and who thought that they were better than other people. That life appealed to Belshazzar and that life was attractive to him. And so there is a beauty and an attractiveness and an appeal that living life in a humble way, it does have. But dear ones, that beauty is not visible to everybody. It's only visible to those individuals who have a desire to see the beauty of it. We will get back to Pastor Fields and to today's message in just a moment. But we wanted to take a moment to share with all of you that the aim of our radio ministry at the Word of Life Bible Fellowship is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible and to strengthen and edify the body of Christ through Bible teaching that is both clear and relevant. We would like to see this ministry go even farther in accomplishing this work, but in order for us to be able to do that, we need your help. If you are able, after you have given to the support of your own local home church, if you are able to help us with the cost of airing this program on this station, we would greatly appreciate it. All donations are tax-deductible, and they can be sent to the Word of Life Bible Fellowship, P.O. Box 8903, Tacoma, Washington, 98418. And if you would like to learn more about our ministry and be able to listen to some of the archived messages from Pastor Fields, you can do so by visiting us at our website, which is awordforlife.com. And now, let's get back to Pastor Fields and to today's message. But the life that his father lived prior to the Lord humbling him, of being someone who, uh, who was arrogant and a braggart and proud and, and who thought that they were better than other people, that life appealed to Belshazzar. And that life was attractive to him. And so there is a beauty and an attractiveness and an appeal that living life in a humble way, it does have. But dear ones, that beauty is not visible to everybody. It's only visible to those individuals who have a desire to see the beauty of it. A lot of times, and especially in today's day and time, dear ones, we are attracted to the flashy. We're attracted to the flamboyant. We're attracted to the, to the, to the boastful, to the braggart, to the individual who's out there, who's, who's up front with themselves and up front with who they are and how they are. And they wear the this and they got the rings and the gold and all that. We're attracted to that. That's what catches attention. That's what sells newspapers. That's what gets you on the cover of the magazines. That's what does it. We're attracted to that. And we don't see the beauty of humility. The beauty of humility has been relegated to the background. We no longer see that. We don't see the beauty of humility. He said, well, pre- 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 I, 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 I'm having a hard time understanding where you're coming from with that. The beauty of humility. I, I, I'm not quite sure. Does the Bible back you up in that? Oh, yes, it does. Turn with me. Hold your finger here in Daniel. Turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. We're going to go, go there first. Then we're going to go to Proverbs. The first Peter, the first Peter, the third chapter. I'm reading the first four verses because Peter now is talking to women who are wives. He's talking to now. Now, what he says applies to everybody, but he's talking specifically and particularly to women who are wives at this time. But first Peter, the third chapter, notice what he says, starting at verse one. He says, likewise, you wives, 
Be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation or the behavior or the lifestyle of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear or coupled with respect for that individual. So we're talking about a person, a woman who is married and she's not married to somebody who is a follower of Jesus Christ. She's married to somebody who ain't saved. Peter says, don't try to win your husband to the Lord by putting Bible verses under his pillow at night. Or don't try to win your husband to the Lord by always nagging him about coming to church with you. Or don't try to win your husband to the Lord by every time you get ready to go someplace, you got to say, okay, before you start the car, let's have a word of prayer. And you start praying for about a half hour that the Lord keep you and protect you and cover you. No, don't do all that. Peter says, you want to win your husband to the Lord? This is how you do it. Live saved before him. Live saved before him. Let him see how you live. Let him see how you conduct yourself. And let him see the level of love and respect that you give, not just to God, but to him also. See, because we were used to we're used to nagging and bugging and fussing and you know, no 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 no. Peter, you really want to win your husband to the Lord? This is how you do it. Love him, respect him, love God, love your husband, respect God, respect your spouse. Lord have mercy. And so and so, Peter, he says, this is, how you, this is how you do it. But notice the text. Notice it says, verse three. He says, who's adorning? Who's, who's adorning? Adorning is uh, how you dress, how you put yourself together. Who's adorning? Let it not be that of outward adorning, of plating the hair, and of wearing of gold, and of putting on of apparel. So the, he's saying, sisters, don't worry about your hair, getting your hair all done just right. And don't worry about getting that nice suit from the store. Don't, don't worry about getting the latest fashions. Don't worry about that. He says, this is how you need to adorn yourself. Verse 4. But let your adornment be the hidden man of the heart. In that which is not corruptible, even the ornament, notice he calls it an ornament, of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. You know how, you, you know what ornaments are. Or, or, you know, when you're putting your Christmas tree together, you get all the lights on the other, on the tree, and you get the little bulbs and everything else, but, but you, the tree ain't done until you get the topper on. The tree ain't done until you get the way up top, get that ornament, get the thing on the top, the ornament. Because the topper, the ornament on the top, it sets the thing off. Everything under it, oh my, everything under it is now highlighted, is now made more apparent, is now made more visible because of the ornament on the very top. Peter says, your ornament, sisters, needs to be a meek and humble spirit. Because in God's sight, that's of great price. Lord have mercy. No, we want our ornament to be flashy. Look at my suit. Look at my hair. Look at my makeup. Look at my smell of my perfume. You want that to be your ornament. No, no, stop. Your ornament needs to be a meek and quiet spirit. God says that in my sight. That's beautiful. And so, and so, and so we see here an example that Peter is trying to help us to understand about the beauty of humility. But now let me show you the other, the other end of this thing. Let me show you the other end of it. Proverbs, the 27th chapter. Because in Proverbs, the 27th chapter, or the 7th chapter, I'm sorry, Proverbs, the 7th chapter. Because in Proverbs, the 7th chapter, we see the other end of this thing. Not the beauty of humility, 
But we see a description here, a very good description of the attractive and the seductive allure that pride can have. Amen. A lot of times, there was, we get wrapped up in the seductive and the allure of pride. And the wisdom writer gives us a very graphic picture of what this looks like. Notice what he says, Proverbs, the seventh chapter, starting at verse one. He says, my son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them upon your fingers and write them upon the table of your heart. Say unto wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your kinswoman. Here we go. That they may keep you from the strange woman. From the stranger which flatters with her words. For at the window of my house. Now the writer is now saying, he's saying, okay, that will, they'll keep you from the strange woman. Now for, for those that don't know, he's not talking about strange like she got a, you know, a screw loose in her head and kind of, no. That ain't kind of strange we're talking about. We're talking about strange in the context of anybody that is foreign to you. Strange is anybody foreign to you. And so, and, so, and so he's saying to keep you. He says, let, let my words guide you and keep you and secure you. To keep you from the strange woman, from this foreign woman. And now the writer is beginning to display or describe for us a situation that he saw outside of his own bedroom window. He said, I looked out the window and I saw something. And I had to write a story about it. He says, verse 5, or verse 6, I should say. For at the window of my house, I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones. I discerned among the youths a man void of understanding. So he looks out the window and he sees all the, all the brothers hanging out at the corner. He said, I saw them out there just hanging out at the corner. You know, among the simple ones, I saw one of them that stood out. Passing through, verse 8, passing through the street near her corner, he went the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Lord have mercy. He ain't doing it in the midday. He, 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 he ain't going out there in the midday, you know, just, just kind of walking down the street. No, he, said, he, see, he sees all these brothers hanging out there, and he sees one brother breaking off, going, making a beeline to that girl's house. Making a beeline to where he knows she lives in the dark and black night. Lord have mercy. So he just said, I'll see y'all later. I'll catch y'all later, man. What you get ready to do? You know what I'm getting ready to do. And he makes a beeline to her house. He says, it says, verse 10, And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lies in wait at every corner. Lord have mercy. She is loud and stubborn, and her feet can't stay at home. She stay in the street. She stays gone. Stay, I got to go somewhere. Where you got to go? Somewhere. <laughs> why, why you got to go? I just got to. Just got to be, go, be going somewhere. Got to be doing something. And you try to ask about why, why you always got to go somewhere? Why you got to know my business? Why you got to always be asking me all these questions? Why you got to... And you just get loud and, and stubborn. They don't want to listen. They don't want to talk. They don't want to reason about it. They just get loud and stubborn. And Lord have mercy. Some of y'all are looking at me. Pastor, please, please, please stop. It sounds like you're talking about folk I know. Yes, I am. Loud. Stubborn. Can't stay home. Lord have mercy. Oh, my. It's scripture says she's, she's in the streets and, and, and she's around every corner. She's always going to every place. 
The text tells us, verse 12, Now is she without, in now in the streets, it lies in wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day I have paid my vows. Notice the text. Let me wrap this thing up. Verse 22, He goes after her straightway, as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till a dart strikes through his liver as a bird hastes to a snare and knows not that it is for his life. Wow. Yeah, she smelled good. Yeah, she was pretty. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. I get all that. But, but, son, let me ask you a question. Don't you know this is going to cost you your life? Don't you know that this is going to bankrupt your life? Hello, dear ones. This is Pastor Michael Fields. And here at the end of today's broadcast, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you to all of you for taking the time out of your day to tune in and listen to our program. My hope is that today's broadcast has been a blessing to you in some way and has helped you in your walk and in your relationship with the Lord. And I want to encourage all of you to tell a friend about this program and join us here next time as we look into the riches of God's Word in order to find a word for life. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.